morning. <clears throat> Patrick Havens, and uh, invite you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. If you're uh, joining us for the first time, uh, welcome. Glad you're here. This summer we've been studying uh, through the good life as Jesus portrayed it in the Beatitudes. So these eight blessings open up to us the Sermon on the Mount. Dan began the series this summer saying, in the Beatitudes, Jesus is inviting us to follow him in his upside-down kingdom as the only way to experience the blessed, joyfully filled life. Uh, one commentator put the Beatitudes like this. Jesus is painting a picture of what the state of true God-centered human flourishing looks like. So it's countercultural. Um, as Jesus said, though, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. And the answer to this abundant life he promised for us, the insights to it are in the Beatitudes. So that they're worth pondering. And notice each Beatitude is given a reason why it's so good. He uses the word for, which could mean because. Because theirs is the kingdom, because they are comforted, and the one today, because they will inherit the earth. So it points out no one will lose by following Jesus as way of discipleship. This is all gain. It's all profound. So today's uh, beatitude, really on verse 5, is blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We're going to read it today from the ESV. You'll notice if you have a the Bible in the chair pocket in front of you is a CSB, and it translates it humble. And the word meek is just a little more nuanced than humble, and so we're going to focus on mainly um, using that word today, and we'll see as I do that. So let me, let me read uh, Matthew 5, 1 through 12, and I'm going to be reading from the ESV. So let's hear God's word together. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and other all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecute the prophets who were before you. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of all our hearts will be pleasing to you, O God, our rock, our redeemer. 
Holy Spirit, please open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word. Amen. I'd like to uh, play a little word association. So get in your mind. What comes in your mind when, uh, to define the word meek? Do, do a quick, uh, you know, well, what's the first word that you think of when you think of meek? As I've asked people this question, you know, I, I hear words like quiet, reserved, subdued. Then, of course, when you ask, you know, youth, you get real straight answers, right? Uh, they don't mince words. So meekness rhymes with weakness. Uh, it sounds like a wimp, a person who's wishy-washy, you know, easily dominated. Um, now, unfortunately, when you go online to, you know, look at Google the word, it doesn't always help. So one definition, the first definition that popped up said meekness said it's the, uh, define it this way, the fact or condition of being meek. Okay, and then, and then here was the example sentence it used in a sentence. It said this, all his best friends made fun of him for his meekness. <laughs> so right away, you're like, okay, don't be meek, right? I mean, <laughs> I'm not drawn to this. <clears throat> so this uh, seemingly unattractive beatitude actually needs, a, needs some work. But it wasn't just our culture that feels like this is upside down. It, it, same, same with Jesus. Uh, Greek philosophers like Aristotle, he was teaching over 300 years before Christ, and that these philosophers shaped the Greco-Roman culture where Jesus was teaching. Well, they didn't value meekness either, okay? In fact, they viewed humility more like a vice than a virtue, to them, virtues were attractive and worthy of praise. They didn't praise meekness. They didn't congratulate the meek. The culture described a real hero as strong, dominant, powerful. Those are the ones you want to kind of worship or praise. But when Jesus preached, flourishing are the weak, not only was it countercultural to all his audience and us in some ways without Christ, but he had an insight here into something that is profoundly attractive, and that's what we want to draw out today. So three questions. What is meekness? What are the benefits of meekness? And then how can we cultivate more meekness in our life as followers of Christ, where Christ's heart is being shaped in us? So let's start with this first question. What is true meekness? In 1930, three young men got up, rode a bus in Detroit, and they noticed a man sitting in the back by himself, a lone passenger, minding his own business. These three guys had nothing better to do than to pick a fight with him. They insulted him. He didn't respond. They turned up the heat. They insulted more and taunts. He said nothing. They kept at it for a while. Finally, the bus stopped at its stop sign. The man stood up. He actually turned out to be larger than they realized. He stood up, and he reached in his pocket, and he gave them a business card, and he walked off. That was his stop. As the bus drove on, these three young men got around the card, and they looked at it, and it said, Joe Lewis, boxer. <laughs> uh, little did they know they were picking a fight with the guy, the man, 
who would hold the heavyweight boxing champion of the world title from 1937 to 1949. Here's a man of obvious power and skill, yet governed by self-control. That's getting at meekness. And in fact, a lot of uh, meekness is spotted in uh, black athletes during these series in the 40s. You read it in Jesse Owens' biography or uh, Jackie Robinson, you know, where they were pressured to flourish, you had to deal with insults, to flourish, to be a people. They were drawn to it, and we should as well. It's how, so meekness is how, when other people treat you, how you respond. So in the Gospel of Matthew, three times he uses this word meek, referring in Matthew 5, 5 to all Christians, and it's used two other times in Matthew referring to Jesus Christ. And we'll see some of those. So hardly is this weakness, hardly is this wishy-washy. This is a character quality, a virtue of Jesus himself, who is meek and lowly. And we, we want to draw from that. Jesus, who invited us, says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, for I am meek and humble of heart, and I'll give rest for your souls. So I hope we're drawn to that as well. At our welcome kiosk, we have a gift book. I should have brought one up called Gentle and Lowly. So if you're a guest, grab one of those and read it. You would love it. It's about Christ. And if you've ever wondered, what, what, how would Jesus be like toward me? I mean, I'm a sinner. I've opposed him. I, I'm, I'm suffering. I'm struggling. I, I'm not at my best. How, how is Jesus going to handle me? How, how is he going to come to me? Well, he is gentle of heart. He is meek. And you, you're going to read that book that he comes at you in the way that it makes him approachable. He's the most approachable person you'll ever meet. On page 19, the author says this, Jesus is not trigger happy. He's not harsh, reactionary, easily. He's not easily exasperated. He's the most understanding person in the universe. That's attractive. And we'll flourish around the Lord Jesus, who's like that. In relation to what we learned in the first two Beatitudes about being poor in spirit and mourn, meekness moves us toward the realm of personal relationships. So this Beatitude references more how we're uh, responding to others around us. So the poor in spirit flourish as they recognize they don't have all the resources to save themselves. They're in complete dependence on God. That's why the poor in spirit flourish. They see that. The, those who mourn flourish because they're, they agree with God's assessment of their sin and they have God's heart for the world. They grieve about the brokenness of the world. They flourish because they care about others. And the meek flourish as we realize before God our need of him and it puts us in a position of being gentle toward others because we know, we know from God that we're like-minded and we're in the same situation. We have the same needs, the same struggles, same frustrations, and it causes us to approach people with meekness. So the meek treat people kindly. The humility, it's before God and it's, it makes you a very approachable person when you're, when you're meek, someone you'd love to hang around with um, and it's especially, the word meek, this is why it's a little more nuanced than humble, but it's especially in reference to how you handle criticism, uh, correction, 
opposition. Uh, that's specifically some of the domain in which it works in, which is, you know, our life story. <laughs> so think about this morning. Did anyone correct something you said already? <laughs> uh, did anyone lose your car keys and you were, didn't, you were late? Church, did you wake up earlier? Did someone wake you up earlier than they planned? Uh, did, did, um, did you get cut off on traffic on your way here? Are your, um, are your socks wet walking through the wet grass to get church? So life's full of these things. And how you responded, if you responded graciously, patiently, that's Christ's meekness in you. You experienced flourishing, and so did everyone around you. Trust me, they appreciate when we respond this way. But the meek flourish because you're open to input. The meek flourish because you invite feedback. The meek flourish because you're willing to be corrected. Uh, you, you know you're a sinner in need of grace. You're not better than anyone else. It makes you <clears throat> approachable, not standoffish. You're not looking down on others because you know your own feelings. So now the opposite of being meek is defensive, argumentative, uh, making excuses, and that's not flourishing. That, that, that's not... People aren't doing well around us when we're, we're like that. And if it's our pattern, if it's our modus operandi, there's a lot of um, problems related to that. So think of meekness as strength governed by humility and patience through the Holy Spirit. Strength governed by, by humility and patience through the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at two examples. We're still in this first point of what is meekness. I want to look at two examples in the Bible of people who are meek. We want to look at Moses and then Jesus. So first Moses, Moses from the Old Testament. We know him as that, hey, you know him as that great leader. Uh, he led the people of Israel out of Egypt. Uh, God used him. He raised him up for this. He, Moses walked into the room of the, of the person who had the highest authority, most power of any human at the time, he walked into his throne room and said, let my people go. This is Moses, bold, courageous. And God performed many mighty miracles through Moses. God was with him. He displayed his awesome power. God did. God's power is displayed through Moses, and he demonstrated the whole world that he alone is God. But did you know that Moses was commended for meekness? Numbers 12, verse 3, says this. Now, the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. It says in Numbers 12, he was the meekest man on the earth, the guy who just rescued Israel out of slavery. Um, he was the meekest man on earth. So let that help your definition of, of meekness. It's not mousy. It's not lacking opinions or backbone. Meekness has strength, but it's controlled and governed by God. Um, <clears throat> and he did not have this by nature. You got to know the story of Moses to see this, but God wanted a gentle leader. God wanted Moses to be meek. He was 40 years in the desert tending sheep in preparation to be meek with the people of God as he led them out. 
because it wasn't an easy assignment. Not only Pharaoh resisting, you know, enslaving people, but the people he let out were difficult and his own family turned against him. This is Moses's experience. Maybe you remember uh, how Israel said this about, about Moses. They complained. They said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us, kill our children and our livestock with this thirst? I mean, they're just complaining, <laughs> blaming him. It was grumbling, and he's in charge of this. And the context of Numbers 12, where we read, or is commended, Moses was the meekest man. The context of that was his own family. So Miriam, his, his siblings, Miriam and Aaron, turned against Moses. They tried to launch a revolt against his authority. And right away it says, here's the meekest man on earth, and God defended him. So why is God saying he's very meek? It's because of how he handled these difficult situations. That's, what, that's what's in reference to. Moses wasn't out seeking to justify himself. He wasn't out. He was trusting the Lord. He wasn't embittered toward the people. That's a powerful thing about his story. He wasn't embittered about their complaining and blaming him. He didn't return evil for evil. He entrusted himself to God, his creator and maker and judge. And he didn't even do it perfectly. In Moses, we get a faint picture of meekness, and it's a good one. But the second example, we see meekness in Jesus, a greater Moses, a greater Moses. I mean, where do you see boldness and humility better than in Jesus? In Matthew 21, as Jesus was entering Jerusalem, we read this verse, and it's a quote, it's a prophecy from Zechariah 9. And listen to how it describes Jesus. See, behold, your king is coming to you. He's going into Jerusalem. Your king is coming to you meek, gentle, mounted on a donkey and a colt, the foal of a donkey. Took those two words together, king, king of kings, lord of lords, meek, coming to you. This is Jesus' last visit to Jerusalem. The Gospel of Matthew is reaching its climax as the Messiah approaches the capital city of Israel to free his people from slavery, to rescue them. And his entrance is described as being meek. Uh, Now, it's interesting, when you're reading the narrative, Matthew 21, the first story as he's triumphing, or the triumphal entry, the first story is he cleanses, he clears out, he makes a whip and clears out a temple because they were, uh, he was turned over to these money changers. They were selling uh, sheep in this area of the temple and he was overcome with zeal. He threw them out and he declared this, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of thieves. So notice his protection kicked in, his, his righteousness for what he's doing. So, so is Jesus uh, meek and mild, or is he uh, strong and righteous? Well, he's all his perfections at once. 
This is what we mean uh, by God's divine simplicity. If you took our class on the Trinity, we talked about this. God's divine simplicity. He's, see, God's not made of parts. He doesn't have attributes in the way you and I have attributes. As a Puritan would have said, whatever God has, God is. So Jesus isn't meek one day and not meek the night. He didn't lose meekness you know, on his way there. He, he's 100% meek. He's 100% all-powerful. He's 100% holy. He's 100% righteous at the same time and all the time. He is his attributes. So here, Jesus is king of kings, lord of lords, yet he's meek and humble at heart. He, he doesn't bring a visible army, yet Jesus comes not to conquer by force, as earthly kings would, but by love and grace, and giving himself for a people. That's how he came. This is, this is what we see in Jesus, meekness as in king, kingliness. Um, and uh, the last book of the Bible, book of Revelation, John, the writer of Revelation, is given a vision in Revelation 5. He says, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, and when he looks, what does he see? A lamb. And not a lamb that's not doing good. A slain lamb, that's his vision, majesty, meekness, all in one glorious person, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, so meekness is in, deep in Jesus. It's his heart. It's in God's heart. In, uh, in Jerusalem, this is what happened as he was coming there. Jesus was brutally beaten by soldiers, flogged. By Pilate, he was cruelly crucified on the cross. And from the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. That's meekness. Uh, Jesus has governed strength, and he could have called down myriads and myriads of angels, but he didn't. He was fulfilling his purpose. His governed strength, when he, when he chose to respond and controlled because it was all controlled by love. Now, one of the eyewitnesses of this going through this uh, flog, um, cruel beating, flogging, and all that was Peter. Peter was there watching it. Now, listen to how Peter describes Jesus. Okay, he's, he's, this is, I was there. He saw it, he says. When he was reviled, he didn't revile in return. He saw this. When he suffered, he didn't threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Peter's saying, by his wounds, you have been healed. Christ was meek for our salvation, <clears throat> for our flourishing, for our example. So this is meekness. It's, it, meekness is being quick to forgive. It, it doesn't hold a grudge. It considers others more important than yourself. It even seeks the good of those who mistreat you. That's meekness. So test yourself to see how you're doing in meekness. So in times of uh, complaint or an opposition, is your first response to harbor anger, bitterness, to fight back? Or are you patient? Trust in the Lord. When, when uh, criticized, do you return with harsh words? 
or do you give a gentle answer? Uh, when your reputation is on the line, is your only concern is protect it <laughs> at all costs. Got to guard my reputation. Or do you actually listen carefully to what's being critiqued or things to, to learn from? And this is why we need Jesus. We realize, oh, wow, we fall terribly short. This is why we need Jesus to forgive us of our sins and to teach us, to model for us a life of humility and meekness. So um, think of meekness as the ability to obey God in all these situations, to follow this meek pattern we see. And it's pro meekness is profoundly freeing and refreshing in relationships because you're dead to yourself. You're alive to God. Meekness is when you're not wrapped up in our little world and all of our insecurities, but we're free to love people, to receive. Um, one of the uh, proverbs you know, in Morocco was, a, tam a camel can swallow thorns because it has a soft tongue. <laughs> and what they meant by that is like taking blows when your heart is gentle and mindful of this. And that works if you live with camels. You guys probably don't, so. Uh, meekness, though, <clears throat> meekness is a gift because it creates flourishing in our lives and in the lives around us. It's all by grace. So that, that's kind of our first point. I hope that helps. What is meekness? I hope that gave you a really attractive call to think about, okay, that's meekness. But secondly, what are the benefits of meekness? What are the benefits of meekness? So the verse is this, flourishing are the meek who will inherit the earth. Inherit the earth. The word for earth can also be translated land. You can imagine all the Jews listening, because their whole life story is one of wanting to possess a land of their own. And here Jesus is saying, the meek will inherit the land, the earth. When Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. They knew what the word rest meant. The rest is a promise of liberation. The word rest is a it's freedom from enemies and opposition, freedom from sin and death. Jesus is promising a place, a blessing, and ultimate rest. Jesus offers here what Joshua in the Old Testament never accomplished. The greater Joshua here in Jesus, he's offering us conquest, a land through meekness, through humility. That's what we see in Jesus. Jesus achieved this for us by laying down his life and then taking it up again. And that's counterintuitive to how someone would take a land, take an inheritance. But the word inheritance kind of signals us. It, it means a gift. That's what inheritance means, to inherit. Inherit the earth means something was given to you. It isn't something you earned. You don't earn an inheritance. It's not, from, it's not something you bought. It's, it's, it's not something of the labor of your hands. It's a reflection of God's grace and goodness in our lives that we that's what the Beatitudes are. All these of being, receiving his kingdom and being comforted and inheriting the earth, these are all gifts of his grace. Nothing, we can't receive any of these apart from Christ. This is not saying be meek, 
this isn't a command to be meek in order to be a Christian in the sense of a work. This is just saying, be humble to receive this, and Christ has already done it all. It's going to be inherited for us through Jesus. Now, the, you can imagine the Jews being very intrigued listening to this, that the meek are going to inherit the earth, having their long history of taking possess this land. But a couple of things were interesting when you read the Old Testament. One is they never were faithful in the land. They were always exiled. They would come in the land, commit idolatry, and God would send them out of the land. So never in the Old Testament did Israel ever receive the land. And it was never fully the purpose anyway, because there's more insight in the New Testament. So Jesus is saying the meek will inherit the earth. It's through meekness. And this is a, this beatitude, uh, verse 5, is a reference, a direct reference to Psalm 37. So Psalm 37, verse 11, says this. The meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. That's Psalm 37, verse 11. So let me mention the benefit of inheriting the earth in, in two senses, both present, like now benefit, and future. So what is already true of this, and then what's uh, still to come? So let, let me just reflect on these two aspects. So the first is that the meek will live in abundant peace on earth now because they're already raised with Christ. Ephesians 2, we've already been raised up with Christ. The meek have already received everything. Um, Paul will put it like this, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. There's a genius, an insight into being receiving, knowing you inherited the earth already, <laughs> that you're not attached to this earth. That there's a way to be forgiving. There's a way to go around living now in abundant peace that you're not grabbing. You're not taking. You're able to give. You're able to be freed, and that's the application. That's one aspect of the meek will inherit the earth, is knowing that promise deeply has a present application of peace in our life, that we're not grab, grasping at this world and freedom to really live for God and do as well. But there's also a future. There's also an, an already but not yet part of this promise. They will inherit the earth. And what is meant by that? This promise is saying that Jesus is a greater Moses. He's leading us to an eternal promised land that is far beyond our imagination. <clears throat> this is what Revelation calls a new heavens and a new earth. This is being highlighted for the meek. This part of this, this new earth is what's being emphasized here. So notice this new earth is not just for Jewish Israel. I guess that's a double thing for Israel. But notice this new earth is for Jew and Gentile alike. It's open for anyone who is meek. Anyone who's come to Jesus, they will receive a new heaven, a new heavens and a new earth. And this, this is Old Testament thinking as well. This isn't just Christ. Abraham lived this way. <clears throat> Remember, Abraham was promised the land that was to come before he even saw it. He was living as a foreigner. He never even saw the fulfillment of it because he was looking forward to the city whose foundations and architect and builder is God. Hebrews 13 says this, 
For here, talking about here now, we have no lasting city. But we seek the city that is to come. The meek will inherit the new earth. The city that is to come. So we've been asking, what is meekness? Benefits of meekness, which is profound. And so maybe, hopefully, right? You're like, okay, I want to cultivate this more in my life because I want to experience this. I want to see this more. And then let me just, let me just highlight a, three uh, ways to cultivate this more in our life by God's grace. Uh, first, let me go back to just mentioning what he says in Matthew 11, 20 and 29. Jesus went on to say, take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me. For I am meek, I am gentle and lowly in heart. <clears throat> my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Think of yoke as a metaphor for discipleship. Think of the yoke as a metaphor for discipleship. You know, um, it was a wooden bar that, uh, you know, two animals would wear. And it would go on a, a more experienced ox and a younger ox. They would yoke them together and learn how to plow straight rows. You know, he, the young ox would learn where, what, why he's in the field, what he's doing out there, what's the whole purpose uh, of this. That's what being yoked was. And Jesus is saying, be yoked to me. Uh, come to me. Be yoked and learn from me. Get right up next to me. Jesus is saying, come right here. I'm going to put my arm around you. That's my yoke. I'm your king. And learn from me. Learn my heart is meekness. Look, look, right here. I'm, and I'm going to take you in directions, and we're going to handle things that you don't know naturally, but you're going to learn from me. You're gonna, I'm going to teach you this. And it's not just academic classroom. Oh, yeah, here's the PowerPoint presentation. Sit down here. No, being yoke, you're going to learn him. You're actually learning a person. You're learning Jesus Yoked to Jesus, you're learning his heart, how he responds to conflict, how he responds to persecution, how he responds when his family thinks he's crazy, right? This is Jesus. You're learning from Jesus. And that's what he's saying. And, and you're going to learn. You're going to see it. I'm gentle. I'm meek and lowly of heart. Um, you know, one of the reasons we all read biographies is to... Uh, be inspired, you know, to live a life like the person you're reading about. That, that's what often what draws you in to read a biography. And the Gospels are not biographies, but they're like it too, in that when you're reading the Gospels, you're learning Jesus. You're, you're spending time with him. You're, you're seeing his great patience, his love, his, his power, this inherent beauty. Um, and Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, transforms us more and more to be in his image. So this is, if you, if you said, oh, if you left today and say, oh, God's goal for me, I know what God's goal for me is, to get right next to Jesus to become like him. Honestly, you, you can just say, that's my purpose. That's God's goal for my life, to get right next to him and to become more and more like his heart, how he deals with a world of conflict, how he deals with a world disintegrating and dividing. Get right next to Jesus so that we know how to be transformed <clears throat> because whoever you're yoked to, whoever you spend most of your time learning from, you will become like. 
we become like the ones we're connected to. And so you think through your week. Am I, am I with Jesus? Am I learning from Jesus? Is this, uh, is this being shaped in me from Jesus? Or is this some other uh, usurper? And we need to trust the Lord. Lord, I want to look to Christ. So that's the first way. I got three of these. But this is the first one, is look to Christ. And the second one actually is very related. Do you know meekness is a gift or a fruit of the Holy Spirit? So Galatians 5.23 lists gentleness. And the same root word is in there, meekness. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Um, Colossians 3.12 says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. He says, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness. We're to put it on. We're to wear it. We're to, we're, we're to live this way. <clears throat> so first and foremost, realize this. Meekness will only come as a gift from your Heavenly Father through the Spirit. It's from above. That This is a gift to us. It, it's something we learn. We don't know this by nature. So we grow in meekness through the ministry of the Holy Spirit as we spend time with Christ. And this was the Holy Spirit who indwelled Jesus, who indwells us as we're being discipled, growing, learning from Christ. So third, last way, just to cultivate more meekness in our lives, is we must seek to repent of specific areas in our life where we're not meek. So it's great to say, you know, hey, I'm sorry, whatever. But <clears throat> this is a, I want to make a point of specific areas where we're not being meek, to identify, be able to see that, be able to flesh it out and repent in specific areas where, we're, where we lack meekness in specifically. Remember um, Matthew 4, right? As Jesus began his public ministry, so we're in Matthew 5 where Jesus is teaching, and Jesus said this right away. This is the first thing Jesus says. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So this kingdom of heaven that we're learning about in the Beatitudes, it is to repent. This is, this is, this is shaping us. This, this is a whole new mindset, whole new way of thinking, whole new way of doing life now, and we need to repent. We need, there's going to be areas of repentance. So under the Lordship of Christ, here are just some questions. Ponder these. <clears throat> Do people feel at ease in my presence? Am I approachable for things I say, things I teach, things uh, I write, uh, things I post, things, things uh, I do? Am I, am I approachable? Can you come to me and correct me? That's a test of meekness. Do I invite feedback from loved ones, friends, kids, uh, peers, uh, uh, mentors? Not just mentors, remember, and even, even younger people, even people that don't know as much. Do I invite feedback? To, to speak the truth? Do I, do I seek to defend myself when I'm criticized? Uh, am I quick to gossip about others because I'm really just always kind of motivated to look better? <laughs> you know, pick on this guy, try to sound better to someone else. When sharing your faith, so let's say you're faithfully trying to proclaim the gospel and you're experiencing opposition, unbelief, uh, dislike, Peter reminds us of this. He said, we are to respond with meekness and respect. 1 Peter 3.15. So meekness is even how we respond to those 
who are not wanting to hear what to say. But so, am I more known to kind of win every argument? Am I more known to really be forcing people to uh, shoving it down their throat? You know, is that, or am I known to be gentle and respectful? That's also to even be captured there. So, in closing, Think of the, I want you to think of this, this verse. This is from James, who also was with Jesus, half-brother here. He said this, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and he says this, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So you're not a Christian without meekness. It's how you, it's, it's, it's where you come to God, not with a resume, not, not with excuses, not, not saying, hey, I'm, I'm not that bad. You come to God and you're saying, I agree with everything you say about me. And I want to receive this free offer of the gospel. That's being meek. That's receiving this. And then he doesn't leave you there because you're yoked to Christ and you grow and you mature and you grow in this area. So repentance will be ongoing because we want to receive again and again this gospel of meekness and humility. So let the list of Beatitudes is, it's not just a friendly reminder, this list. It's a radical, counterintuitive picture of God-centered, Christ-exalting, human flourishing. Surprisingly, the ones who inherit the new earth are the meek. Let's learn from Jesus. Let's learn what he means. Let's let him reorient our whole lives around the virtues that he cherishes and attracted. So let's pray.